Thanks for that piece of shit, Lieutenant, that's always uh, on his podcast. Pass us, fuck him. <laughs> everybody new york's finest retired unfiltered podcast i'm eric the most complained cop we're here with the 265 live series i'm also here with john mccary retired nypd lieutenant piece of shit lieutenant unemployed the founder and the co-host of the podcast how you doing my brother very well my friend still in new york city still uh still in the in the swamps of staten island back and forth all around the city so seeing a lot of interesting faces that uh, aren't too happy when they see mine Speaking of, uh, I don't know if you want to say, but you saw an interesting face today. Uh, we'll leave him alone. We'll leave him alone. Oh, you leave him? Okay. Yeah, we'll leave him alone. <laughs> but, but we did see someone from the NYPD, but we'll, we'll leave it alone. Maybe we'll, we'll leave that for another day. It's no problem. I've seen a lot of people so far, to be fair. To be fair. But put it this way. So far, the people that you see with, from the NYPD who have been mentioned on this podcast, uh, what was their reaction towards you? You're not going to put their name out, but. I mean, like I said, I've received numerous threats, and I've said to a lot of people, I bet you'll pretend that you don't know me when you see me. And the people that I have seen do actually know me, have presented awards to me, whatever, shook my hand, spoke to me on several occasions. But when they see me, they pretend like they didn't know me. So, <laughs> Well, just as I figured. Anyway, let's get today's topic. Today we want to talk about this article that emerged in the New York Post it's a very interesting article, something that John and I have been talking about. It's the recruitment problem along with the mass excess of the NYPD. So let's just get right into it. Sure. Tina Moore in the New York Post, she put out an article, NYC Blues, the number of potential NYPD cops plummets. All right. So we'll get into that while we'll go through sections and then we'll talk about it. So the first part, the number of people interested in taking the NYPD exam is cratering, likely hitting a new low as the city struggles to fill the positions left vacant by senior officers who are leaving in droves, the Post has learned. So far this year, the NYPD has given the police officer exam twice, once in March and again on Thursday. The NYPD expected about 3,000 text takers for the winter exam, but only about 1,300 signed up. The number of potential cops who took Thursday's test wasn't immediately available, but insiders said again it was low. Despite extending the registration period by a month, waiving the $40 fee in a contract that includes pay raises. Well, this is a major problem. It's a huge crisis. I mean, one thing people have to understand is you need a, a mass amount of pool applicants to take these tests to actually get a 1,000 or 1,500 or even a 400 person class. We need a pool of 20,000 people because there are so many different factors that could disqualify someone from becoming a police officer based on the standards that you and I know that we came on the job. Obviously, we know post-George Floyd, the standards have been reduced and completely diminished to get to a point to keep the police department going and also cater and pander to this diversity, equity, equity and inclusion movement. But with that being said, what else is crumbling with that? What what do you like? All right. So for the winter exam, there were 1300 people who signed up. Right. To take the test. 
what do you believe out of 1300? How many people do you believe will actually be eligible of that 1300 to actually be a police officer? And how many would become a police officer in your best guesstimate? Well, it's a great question, but are we talking about the standards that you and I were held to or the standards that are held to at this point now? The standards held to this point now. I would, I would say with the standards now, I'll be fair and I'll say 20%. I, obviously, listen, I never worked in candidate assessment or recruiting, but Chase, just based on my best assessment, I would say 20%. No, I, I think that that's around where I am. I mean, to be fair, you've never worked in candidate assessment. Either have I, but we've spoken to several people who have. So we're pretty a good source. A really yeah, and a very good source. And, and you know, um, so I, I would I would say that too. So I mean, so at at thirteen hundred people, you're you're looking at very few potential candidates that could actually even even be eligible be eligible to be a police officer. That doesn't mean that they're going to actually take the job. Just be eligible to take the police officer. So the next part of the article is they quote uh, the PBA's Patrick Hendry. Um, he took the quote right out of my mouth, right from this podcast. Uh, the NYPD's best recruiting tool <laughs> has always been the word of mouth. I've heard that before. It was I heard it in my own head and I said it here. Um, to, uh, Hendry told the Post. But right now the word is stay away. The NYPD has given between one and three exams per year over the past several years. In 2019, 14,127 cops sat for just one exam. In 2022, the NYPD had only 6,489 takes, test takers for three exams, a stunning 65% drop from 2017, police sources say. What do you think about Hendry's statement before we get into the number four? Well, I, I got to laugh because you and I were talking about this earlier today. And, and I said, Pat Hendry is probably going to go down as the best PBA president ever. And thanks to this podcast, he's been following our platform completely. He's transformed it into his own platform. Right. So, Pat Hendry, I want to thank you for that. I, honestly, I don't know if John and I are going to get credit for it. And, and we don't care. Honestly, we don't care if we actually get credit for it. We are going to say it that you have followed our platform, which is exactly what should be uh, implemented for the cops out right, the cops out there right now. But honestly, I don't care if we get credit for it. I know John doesn't care either. We want what's best for the cops. So he's probably going to go down as the best PBA president ever. I mean, he's starting off on a good path as we speak, right? Yeah. I mean, but besides the fact he took it right from, from here, it's fine, right? Like we've taken things from people who trained us. We've, taking things from bosses we've had, right, uh, from subordinates that have taught us things, anything, right, our, our leadership. What do you think about the statement, though, that he did say? Like, it, what, is it accurate? Um, are you happy with that statement from a, a union representation? Is that an accurate statement? The NYPD's best recruiting tool has always been the word of mouth. I think it's the best recruiting tool for any organization. I can tell you. The Marine Corps is the best example, right? Obviously, I, I always talk about the Marines because I love the Marines. It's I'm proud to be a Marine. But most most young men and women that join the United States Marine Corps, it's not because they saw a commercial. It's it's not because of a signing bonus because I can tell you right now, the Marine Corps gives the least amount of bonuses than other, any other branch. They have the worst equipment. If anything, you have old equipment, decrepit, uh, the most, re, you know, like, the most heinous conditions compared to any other branch. I mean, 
the Air Force, the Army have much better conditions than they do in the Marine Corps. But yet everybody wants to be a Marine because it's word of mouth and the pride of being a Marine. It's the same thing for the police department or any organization. There was pride in becoming New York's finest. You watch shows like NYPD Blue, uh, you know, all these different cop shows out there. And that's that was iconic. That was symbolic. You wanted to be part of that show. You wanted to be a, a hero in your own story by being a part of it. So word of mouth, I think that's the best recruiting tool. And it doesn't cost much money. I mean, that's how I became a cop, word of mouth. How how'd you become a cop? Same thing. I mean, honestly, I was telling you earlier, my story is kind of interesting. In 1999, right before I went to the Marine Corps, I was doing security. My uncle had a security company working in the back of Madison Square Garden. It was all you know, old crusty cop walking with his brown stick, swinging it around, and he got me an application. He was talking to us, having a conversation. You know, and almost five years later, when I came back to my rack, I took the job. But it was pretty much word of mouth. Like, hey, buddy, listen, this is a good this is a good job. Take the test. He was my recruitment. Th this cop. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, my brother-in-law was a cop too, and that's that's you know, my sister's like, take the test, take the test. Plus, I had friends in my neighborhood that took the test. I didn't take the fireman test. Stupid me, but you know, <laughs> I should have did that. That's what I should have did. Um, but I didn't. So, I mean, that's how I, I learned about it. I, there were no, there were, there were no recruitment drives in, in, in our neighborhoods, in my neighborhood, you know, uh, recruitment drives in New York city are in predominantly minority areas. They don't, they don't come into what they consider minority areas that aren't truthfully minority and, uh, areas and aren't truthfully the, uh, the uh, what, however they say, like what, whatever that term is that they, they consistently used, uh, the the marginalized communities, um, which I, I don't agree with any of that statement. I lived in an Italian neighborhood. They didn't. The police department didn't come into our schools and recruit. They just didn't. Um, he also says, but the word right now is stay away. Why do you think the word right now stay away? <laughs> One thousand percent. I'm telling everybody right now, publicly, social media, stay away. Absolutely. If you want to be a cop right now, you're out of your mind, especially the NYPD. Look, look what's going on right now. Cops are getting convicted constantly. It's a new phenomenon, right? There's no more benefit of the doubt. You and I talk about this. Qualified immunity, there's still qualified immunity, but technically, yes, on paper, there's qualified immunity. But is there really qualified immunity? No more. It's a new phenomenon. You and I see it. Cops are getting convicted left and right, and they're putting cops in jail. It's a terrible job, right? That's probably the worst job in America. So, I would, I would, I would deter most people from joining law enforcement in general, especially NYPD, right now until things get better. I mean, unfortunately, everybody I talk to is counting their days if they even have it left. You know, even if they they're either looking to leave and they don't have the time in or they're counting the days that like they have, you know, a year to go, six months to go, two years to go. I don't really hear very positive vibes from the guys with eight years to go. And those are going to be the guys that are closer to, you know, they only have 10 years on the job, eight years on the job. They're going to be closer in age to the newer recruits and they're going to interact with them more in social settings and stuff like that. So those will be the guys. Oh, yeah, take the job. It's good. It's good. It's good. You know, I just think the amount, the immense pressure, the lack of manpower, the lack of morale, the days off, and the heavy, heavy scrutiny that these guys feel, um, 
is is trickling off of them as they speak, as they go out into society when they're off, uh, when people speak to their loved ones and their friends that that job's miserable and it's just emanating across the board. And I think that's why that word is out. Um, so in 2017, 18,463 people took two exams. In 2019, 14,127 cops sat for just one exam. In 2022, and all of 22, the NYPD had only 6,489 test takers for three separate exams. That's a 65% drop from 2017, police sources say. So what this does is this actually validates and solidifies what you and I have been saying this podcast, particularly you. I remember you said it verbatim on this podcast about word of mouth. Pat Hendry, thank you for listening to the podcast and viewing. We really appreciate it. We want you to, we want to help, right? We always said we want to be that force from outside to help within. So now that you're saying the same things, I agree. Because this solidifies it right here, John. Here, look, you saw 18,000 for two tests in 2017. In 2019, it was even greater, right? 14,000 for one exam. And this is with zero recruitment effort. There's no commercials out there in the manner that there is right now. They're not pushing in diverse neighborhoods. They're not coming out with all these posters. It was just word of mouth. And here, 2022... Post George Floyd, we have this push in the diversity neighborhoods, numerous posters, this re recruitment push to hit the streets, trying to get people to take the test, waiving the fee, and it didn't work. Word of mouth is the best recruitment tool. That proves it right there. So, and then the article gets even crazier. Listen to this. <laughs> There's more. <laughs> so, in stark contrast, no exam was given between 2015 and 2016 because the NYPD had too many applicants, a police source said, adding that the department had a list of 40,000 certified candidates. That's only 2015 and 2016. So that's from 2014. You figure 2014, 2015, 2016, we're sitting on our high horse. What do those years represent to you, Eric? Well, to me, I mean, it's like supply and demand, right? Like anything else when it comes to a product. It shows exactly what you and I have been talking about, pre-pandemic pre and post-pandemic, because of all the legislation, all the politics, the pressure for the media, it was coming already. But it's it, post-George Floyd, and with COVID, just the world went crazy. New York City went crazy. The NYPD has been turned upside down. It's not a, it's it's not a viable job anymore. Even if you're from a diverse community, even though even listen, the black and brown guys. It, most of the guys that I speak to that are black and brown, they're completely assaulted by this whole diversity push. They think it's absolutely ridiculous, and they, they don't want to be a part of it. And they should be insulted. They're insulted when they see these posters that, of just black and brown people trying to cater to them, and then lower the standards and says, what, we're not good enough? We can't, we can't hop the same fence the white guys could? We can't take the same test? They should be insulted. I agree with them, and they don't want the job. They think that's going to attract more people, but I think it just deters the right people. So, so, but for me, what I'm saying and like what, what I'm hinting at with those years specifically is Bill de Blasio gets elected in 2013, right? He gets elected to his first term in 2013. NYPD still a rough job, right? In 2013, 2012, we're completely demonized. 
right? We're completely being demonized. The race for New York City mayor at that time was who hates the cops more? Who hates the cops more? And Bill de Blasio hated the cops more, right? Bill de Blasio won that election because he hated the NYPD and he was going to revamp the NYPD. So when he doesn't do anything his first year, really. Everything's kind of the same. He has some garbage rhetoric that he's pushing out. All the laws are the same. So 2014, between 2013, 2014, 2012, people have taken tests. So between that time, they have 40,000 certified candidates, even though that was a rough time. Barack Obama's the president. There's police, anti-police sediments in there. And they still don't, they don't have to give a test in 15 and 16, right? Look where we are right now. Look where we are right now. We don't have, they're getting, they have 40,000 certified candidates. And they're, they're saying that they only had 1,300 test takers. We went from 40,000 people. So how many test takers were there for 40,000 certified candidates? Um, 100,000? 150? Well, I didn't get a chance to get into it, but I definitely understood what you hit to that. And you just said something that actually is, is, is always in my mind. You said before they change laws. And that's what's so interesting. That's why I want, you know, John and I are on social media constantly talking with rookies, talking with cops from, from the 80s, 70s, 90s. We, we have a, a wealth of information and a great dialogue that's going on with cops that are in favor of the, of the podcast. The cops are in opposition. And sometimes we hear from other generations, well, we were told that the job was dead. It's not going to be able to go on. And every generation has an opportunity to adapt. And I agree to a point, but I've said this on other podcasts. And John, I know you agree with me. We've, we spoke about it. For the most part, rules and policies were changed. And that you could adapt to. But you said it. Laws have been changed. And that's what changes job completely and just just makes it completely undesirable because it's not just violent uh, policies that you have to adapt to it's laws that have completely changed and those laws can put the police officers doing the job in jail you are now closer to jail than when you take this job than you were before yeah and i think the other thing this solidifies because and i'll just read this next part before i even get into that the newest test was expected to draw more interest after the nypd extended the registration period by a month. They waived the $40 fee, so it's free to take the test. You don't even have to pay to take the test anymore. And the agreed-on contract that included the pay raises for new cops. So what I, what I was leaning on there is that, obviously, it's not the pay. Well, listen, uh, sorry I'm coughing yet. I'm still getting off this call. But it never was the contract. In 2009, the classes were going in at 25100 and and people were killing each other for this job. It never was the contract. Pat Lynch sold this, this ideology that it was about the contract and that this would be the complete change while he goes out the door, him and the mayor partying it up together, smiling like they accomplished something. And yet, look, you and I have been met with opposition on Instagram talking about this. Oh, Pat Lynch was great. We have people talk how he's a great leader. I think he was completely singular. He was focused on this contract. It was a big joke. Made the cops wait six years for a contract. And the cops, you've said this word, they're feeble-minded. They are, honestly. You're stupid to believe that you just hit the lotto. This is your money that you were supposed to get anyway. It's You haven't hit the lotto. You earned this money. And you should have received this money some time ago. And now you have to face some tax exemptions and some ideology of how you're going to maneuver around the taxes so that you get the best bang for your buck in this retro. So I, I don't think it's a it's a great thing. It, it, 
it's not a factor at all in recruitment. Not at all. It never was. We thought it would be better after the contract, but it's not a law enforcement source said. Who didn't think it was going to be better after the contract, Eric? <laughs> is it, I mean, come on. This is this is insane. It doesn't matter. If you pay these guys 25000 or 50000 morale is at an all-time all time low. They're being attacked and chipped away every day by New York City Council, by the CCRB. I mean, we just saw. I want to say thank you to the union for following this podcast. We have been pushing to be the crusaders and the catalyst to change CCRB. I've said it numerous times on this podcast. When you meet with your attorney at your CCRB investigation, you have a three to five minute window with your attorney and view body camera footage that you never saw to trap you into misleading statements. That has now changed. That's a victory. It's a win. It's not a complete win. It's a small step to success. Small step in the right direction. Thank you to New York's finest retired on filter podcast. John, do you agree? Thousand percent. And I also agree one thousand percent that you heard it here on this podcast numerous times when we talked about this contract that we said this is not going to stop the exodus and it's not going to, to help with recruitment. We had we had said that over and over again on any time we talked about the contract, which was numerous times on this podcast. So we never believed that. So whatever, whoever that police source was, they're definitely drinking the Kool-Aid and they're spewing the Kool-Aid. Oh, we thought. I, I didn't think it. Eric didn't think it. A lot of other people. Who was that? The source from John Jay? <laughs> yeah. Who, who knows? Now, nah, this is probably someone on the job when they say source because those people usually give their names. Um, one problem is cops aren't encouraging family members to join the NYPD because they don't want them putting their livelihood or safety at risk to enforce laws that the city council in Albany don't want enforced, Hendry said. Well, he's right about that to a point. However, unless if you're Richard Shea, then it's a great job because with at your 18th month mark, including the police academy, you'll be off the street, you'll be in a detective squad on your way to get a detective shield. So, yes, if your family has a deity and there's some nepotism, it's a great job. But for everybody else, if you're a regular Joe Schmo, John McCarry, Eric Dim, you're going to tell your families, stay away from this job. I mean, I don't know. I've spoken to some union members. I, even, I remember Lou Turco said that he would tell his kids to come on the job. And yeah, I'm sure. Of course you are. You have all the connections. You have the networking to put your family in a good position. I'm sure they'll be off the street quickly. And, you know, I can tell you right now, I'm not telling my daughters. And I'm not telling my son to get on this job. Absolutely not. Would you tell your daughters to take this job? No, and I actually uh, advised my nephew not even take the test. To be honest with you, I told him, I told him take the FD test, take the, uh, I, I told him take every other test, Nassau, Suffolk, take every other test. Do not take the NYPD test because they're gonna call you. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're gonna call you. Maybe you're gonna get on because, again, like we've said on this podcast numerous times, there are two different standards in recruiting now when it comes to male whites and everybody else. Uh, male whites are way more heavily scrutinized than everyone else. People could call me crazy, pull the numbers. Numbers don't lie. People do. I've said it before. We made a YouTube short out of it. Anybody who wants to watch it, you can watch it again. If you're an alpha white male or an alpha white female, you are not getting the job. So I can tell you what, I would love to do a test study on this. If you're, you're a young male right now, or a young female, and you're an alpha-type personality, 
anywhere from the age of 19 to your early 20s, please take the test. Go through the process. And I will put my last dollar on it. If you don't have any deity or any type of nepotism, you are not getting the job. And if there's anybody willing to do a test study, please report back to us and let us know what your experience is. I'm pretty confident you will not get the job. They will find some way to psych you off the job. John, am I right? What do you think? No, yeah. I, uh, and we've said it before on this podcast. I've spoke to young men who were disqualified for having a red solo cup ticket in college. They were no arrest history whatsoever, fully confident, respectable males, uh, played sports, everything, good head on their shoulders, were much better candidates for the to be NYPD police officers than I was, and they were disqualified. And it really was an eye-opener, like, by the amount of people that I just keep hearing this from over and over again. My son tried to get on. I meet the son. I'm like, wow, he didn't get on? It's crazy. It's insane. And then, you know, you see drill rappers on. You see people with gang tattoos on. And you see people with huge arrest records on, questionable backgrounds. And and obviously something wrong is going on. Something's going on. Um, so if anyone's... No, no, I just want to say, listen, if anyone's watching this podcast right now, and if you're a family member of a cop and you're thinking about taking this job, just just Google about cops being convicted. Every day, cops nationwide are being convicted. This is something that was unheard of. It did happen. Uh, listen, John, I, I think John and I are pretty fair, right? You can't say that we're we're blue lives matter or black lives matter type of stance. We're not we're not taking a side. Our side is the truth. So if there's cops out there that are doing illegal things or making legitimate mistakes that that cross that fine line of cr criminal behavior, we'll call it out. But it is a new phenomenon, and they're out to get these cops. Look, you and I saw it. Cops got indicted for stealing champagne. I'm not saying they're right. They should be fired. But to be actually indicted for two bottles of champagne where anybody else would not even be arrested, there's no standard anymore. The standard is how do we get cops in jail? That's what it's about. So the article goes on to read, he was referring to bail reform laws passed in Albany that make it more difficult to keep criminals in custody and to city council bills that have made it harder to make arrests. So I just want to say right on the record, Pat Hendry was the guy that signed all the checks for all the people <laughs> who promoted defund the police to all the people who promoted every piece of legislation that he's talking about here. Bail reform, raise the age. Um, uh, less is more. Uh, whatever you want to look, whatever you want to say, the diaphragm law, uh, 50A. We the PBA gave all those people money. Pat Hendry signed the checks. The political action committee voted on it. That's made up of delegates, and that's how Pat Lynch and Pat Hendry will insulate himself from making these donations to these far-left anti-police candidates. And they did it after 2020, and it gave them money again after they voted to defund you and bring in this insane legislation that they've been for 2018. So, Pat, it sounds great. It sounds great. I'm telling you right now, we support you. If you make one donation to an anti-police politician, we are going to run your name through the mud. Just letting you know. Yeah, please don't don't disappoint us and, and and make us wish we could turn back on on John 
John g- getting a ticket to the conservative party to support you representing line of duty families. Please don't, don't dis- disappoint us right now. Right now, like I said, you keep going in, in, in the path that you are. You'll go down as the best PBA president in history. <laughs> and, and to the cops out there, find out who is on that political action committee as well. Find out who is voting on that because you guys need to know, right? They work for you. You don't work for them. So make, make that make that known. This has to stop immediately. His messaging is great, but Eric Adams' messaging is pretty good sometimes. Pat Lynch's messaging is good sometimes. But what have they done? What do they do? That's that's the real thing. And that's what we're saying here with, with Hendry as well. He also says they don't want them constantly hyper-scrutinized and second-guessed, it said. If the NYPD wants to fix its recruitment problem, it needs to make this a job that cops can recommend. Well, the first thing, the first thing right now, I, I would say right now, honestly, the first thing that has to be removed or at least somehow completely maneuvered. Obviously, with the way politics are right now, it probably won't be removed. But the first thing that has to be attacked by the union and, and the police department is the 58. That 58 is a complete stain on everyone's record. I'm sure every family member right now is telling their youngins, do not take this job. Because the, the, the second you take this job, if you want to be a real cop, this 58 is just going to smear you and take you through the mud. And unless you... Unless you decide that you want to stay on this job for the next 40 years, you'll never get another job past the police department. No, I agree. They say, the article goes on, the low recruitment numbers come as experienced members of the NYPD have been retiring in record numbers. Ooh, I wonder why. Um, Even some cops who have been on the job for years don't want their loved ones to join. Patrol treats people like shit, said a police officer with more than two decades on the job. I told my son to do something else. A cop with nearly 30 years in the NYPD said the job is never happy. It's just hammer, 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 he said. That's why he would advise a young man or woman to look elsewhere if they are interested in working for the city. I would try sanitation or the fire department, he said. You can never go wrong with those jobs. And this is and look, this is another new phenomenon. This is completely unheard of. We've never heard right of the New York City Police Department to be a gateway for other New York City for other New York City agencies. I never heard when we got on the job, no one left the New York City Police Department to go to sanitation. The only job that the New York City Police Department left, cops left for, even back when we got on, was the fire department. Other than that, those were the two top tier jobs, right? Everyone wanted to be a cop Port or a fireman. What's that? Port, a Port Authority. Port Authority, yeah. To me, that's like a complete different entity. I mean, honestly, my hat's off to those guys. I don't, they're, they're police officers. Maybe certain units, but I don't really think they're cops on the same level as NYPD. But I hope I'm not insulting anybody for Port Authority. But it's, it is a different animal. But who, who left the New York City Police Department to go to sanitation? It just didn't happen. No. Guys on sanitation came to the New York City Police Department. New York City Police was the job everybody wanted, right? That was the options. That was the two tiers. You either wanted to be a cop or a fireman. If you were a cop, maybe you left it for the fire department, but still, they were proud. They wear FTNY shirts, and they had NYPD on the back. It's no longer. We don't see that. No, absolutely. Chuck Wexler, the executive director of the Police Executive Research Forum in D.C., 
said police hiring problem extend nationwide, driven in part by events like the killing of George Floyd in 2020. Traditionally in policing, you would have a legacy factor, meaning cops and kids and members would go on to be police officers, Wexler said. Today, if you walk into a room in most places in the country and you say to cops, how many of you would like to see your children or brothers be cops? Very few raise their hand. I mean, there's no shocker right there. I mean, who in their right mind, honestly, who in their right mind would say right now, you know what? I want to be a cop. I want to be a cop, right? Have my name smeared through the mud. I want to be a cop and basically go to work and be a prisoner. Everyone's going to hate me. I ha- I can't say anything. I'm closer to jail the second I take the job. Mass depression, suicide suicide epidemics. It's a terrible job. No support. You, I mean, young, young guys see the job right now. They know if you get on the job, you're held to this diaphragm law. You're held to this this choke chokehold ban. You're held to some ridiculous policies. They see the cops that are out there, meek, timid, and docile, and they see how the cops are getting ridiculed. Who wants to be a part of that? Do you want to be ridiculed? Do you want to be embarrassed? Do you want to be shamed? So I think really what needs to be done is I think New York City needs to recant immediately on the vaccine mandate. I think that yeah. they need to – I do – I think that I, they, I think that they need to compensate everybody that they denied either religious or medical exemptions to. I think they need to loosen up on their own policy because they can't do, do anything to change the law immediately, right? They have to advocate to do that. That could be a year or two years. So you need to maintain people that are here, right? You need to get people that are here or people that have experience, right? So you reinstate and pay. It will be much cheaper than the $1.8 billion, the $2 million each that we're giving to black and brown people who failed a New York City teacher's exam because they were not made aware that they needed to be literate to pass that exam. So because of that, they will be receiving $2 million each and a pension from New York City. These are people that never worked a day in New York City. For less than a quarter of that, we could restore the numbers in the NYPD and you could give a sense of power back to the people that are still on the job and bring back experienced officers. Wouldn't cost you a quarter of what that is going to cost to basically get non-workers who are not even literate, right? So that never worked a day in New York City. You would restore the manpower, which will be temporary, but while you're doing that, you change your own policy which is completely scrutinizing you make the job freer you you staff patrol bigger less units to keep the job functioning and the city functioning what do you think what would what would you do eric well I, i agree with you so i just want to make sure that i understand what you're saying so what you're saying is to reinstate the people that were terminated or had to leave because of the vaccine i'm saying to do that I'm saying to do that financially compensate with the one with back pay. And I'm also saying to compensate the people that requested exemptions and were denied exemptions because they are, their morale is in the toilet. They were forced to do something that they did not want to do. And the city is not acknowledging the trauma and stress and pain that they felt. And their lack of of compassion New York City felt for either their religious belief or their medical needs. So what I'm saying is to to give an olive branch to those employees who stayed, who were 
cause irreparable harm, right? Because that is irreparable harm. They took something they didn't want to take. So compensate those people, restore, reinstate with back pay the other people, and you won't fully restore morale. You'll have to change policy as well. But temporarily, you will have brought back experienced officers to stay, and you need to staff patrol. Patrol is 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 the motor that keeps the engine running. You need to staff patrol, and you need to treat those guys better. Keep that going. Well, I, I agree, and I'll tell you why I agree with you. For one, you're already getting experienced police officers that know the job. We don't have to spend, I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm sure it probably costs millions of dollars to put police officers through the police academy. So to not have to put them through the police academy, they're already trained, they're already seasoned police officers, fantastic. And I do think that they should get back pay and a substantial amount of compensation for the amount of suffering that they had to go through. But my question is, how many of those men and women at this point, maybe within six months or a year, but at this point, how many of them actually want to come back? They must have a complete distaste distaste and despise this job completely and they should and i would assume that most of those people probably probably had already changed their lives so i wonder if they would want to come back anyway i mean you're 100 right and that's where the mass exodus you and i talked about this i'm a firm believer that's where the mass exodus started i mean i don't know exactly what the numbers are but we probably lost about five thousand police officers to this vaccine uh, and if anybody tells me different i'd be shocked if they give me different numbers no, they're going to tell you a couple of hundred, all lies. I mean, everyone that vested in 2022, that vested out, which is an early retirement, or resigned, was due to that mandate, right? In late in late 21 and, tw- and all of 22, right? And almost into or 23, right? In some parts of 23 until it was, oh, absolutely. Until it was alleviated finally. So I agree with you. Some people wouldn't want to come back but they would be more apt to if they were coming back to something instead of being told to reapply. And like I said, I believe that those numbers are a temporary relief, right? Because you're going to bring back people like me with 18 years on. I'm probably, you know, now I'm older. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be two years older at this point. You know, I, I don't know what my window would be if I went back. You could bring back guys with 12, 15, all those years that you're going to get more years out of those guys because they'll probably stay till the end. But you have to change policy too. What I'm saying is you'll temporarily inflate your numbers, bring the numbers back up. You'll do some right. It'll give a sense of morale back to everybody, everybody, you know, it'll be like, all right, you know what? They stepped up. They did the right thing. They did the wrong thing, the city, but they stepped up and they compensated everybody instead of paying $1.8 billion to people who failed a simpletons exam. And and they failed it on the basis that they didn't know they needed to be literate and giving those people a full teacher's pension, a full teacher's pension and $2 million for never working a day in New York City. The only thing they did was be born black or brown and fail and fail a test that that is thing. So what I'm saying is if we inflated those numbers, we would restore the, the numbers in the police department, although temporarily. We could change policy to alleviate the scrutiny, the overwhelming scrutiny that we're seeing. You're bringing back more seasoned people, seasoned veterans, seasoned bosses. There's going to be a more that the morale will rise. And while you do that, you advocate to change law. Well said. Well said. I mean, 
I do believe that this onion would take it takes years to peel it back. I mean, it took years to get to this point. It would take years to get back, but we could have some sense of 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 normalcy and some sense of pride. And, and you and I know we both are on the job. We both have been, you know, part of that rah-rah movement. Morale, morale goes up and down. Even when things were good, there's periods where it goes up and up and down and it fluctuates. But right now it's just at a complete low. It's just there is no morale. It's just it's just not a viable job. But I, I do I do agree with what you're saying. If temporarily, if we could bring it back, it could spread to the guys. And it, it, it as the onion gets peeled back, it would spread to bring this back to some more normalcy where it becomes a prideful job again. There is though, I, I will say though, when it comes to new guys, I don't believe in lowering the standards for the most part. There is one requirement that I do believe we can remove. Uh, and I'll tell you this. I'm a college graduate. I have a bachelor's. I went to the Marines. But I'm all for removing the college requirement. I don't, I can tell you from my experience, I don't think that you need college to be an effective police officer. Even a sergeant or lieutenant. Some of the brightest people I've ever met in my life have no college experience. So I, I, to be a great police officer, and especially to be a great cop, takes life experience. And what I do think the requirement is that you actually understand the New York City area, right? Because we talk about policing is not a one-size-fits-all, but you should understand the metropolis of New York City. It doesn't mean you have to be black or brown, but you should have experience with New York City. I think that the college requirement should be removed. What's your opinion on that? I, I can see that. Absolutely. I mean, we, we worked with a, a ton of cops. There's a ton of chiefs that we worked for that had no college. Right. I mean, and, and, and let's call it what it is. Most of the people on, on the NYPD currently have, have little actual college prior to getting on the job. They have 60 college credits. They took a lot of mediocre courses and went to mediocre schools to get a bachelor's exam while they were working. And, and I'm not knocking them. Some people went on, the people that were more educated went on to have get master's degrees and stuff like that. And the people with connections now tout degrees from Harvard that they never really earned. So what I'm saying is like we have few people that are like real, real um, uh, educated college educated people anyway i i do and i don't believe that college education leads into being a great police officer it might lead into being a good administrator uh but i do think a lot of those things could be picked up and be learned on the job first you need to learn the street and be a cop because again this is the police department absolutely i mean the skills that you need to be a cop and i say cop because i mean it with, with pride you need people skills, compassion. You need to have that warrior spirit. You need to have that observational skill. You need to have that eye for police work. You need to work well with others. And I'm going to say this to Eric Adams. Maybe he forgot, but you need to have tough skin. You need to be able to take some some bantering, you know, from an 84-year-old woman, especially with the overzealous civilian complaint review board that we have right now. You have to have tough skin, or at least a little tougher than that. Yeah, I know he doesn't want to give us a, a bigger platform, but, you know, you should be able to take a little criticism from two lieutenants, too, you know, instead of instead of being so uh, getting getting your panties all up in an uproar about it. But uh, I, I agree with you. I, I think that could be I think that removing the college requirement could potentially get you more candidates, but I don't believe it solves the problem. 
you have to get back to the men and women who are on the job. And I do agree with what Pat Hendry says. Obviously, we agree because we were the first people actually out there saying that. Right. We were saying you lost the people that recruit for you. Right. And that's what I'm saying is if you spend a little money, you bring back, you reinstate and compensate those who you forced out and you terminated. And the people that you forced into making a decision that they didn't want to do when they begged and pleaded you, you will restore some faith in your leadership and some faith in New York City and some faith in in, in the job and in the leadership of the job while you change a lot of the uh, – and a, a term that I didn't – which I like and I'm going to take from Pat Hendry is hyper-scrutinized because that is a thousand percent. If you alleviate some of that – and seek to actually change this legislation that's nonsensical and stuff that's scary that's on the books that maybe hasn't been used yet, like that diaphragm law, you will start to win back your employees. Yes. We also have to reframe and revamp the disciplinary matrix. We have to reframe and revamp the New York, the, uh, New York City Council. We have to reframe and revamp the Civilian Complaint Review Board. The Civilian Complaint Review Board is overzealous. And it ties cops down and it holds them back from doing proactive and intrusive police work. And right now, again, I said it, there's a difference between aggressive control and out of control. We have young rookies out there. Their hearts are in the right place. They want to do the job. They're full of enthusiasm, piss and vinegar, but they're out of control. We need those senior cops on the job, those that have been removed because of the vaccine. Either they were terminated or vested out. We need those seasoned cops on the job so that they can teach these young rookies but we, they, we need full support so we can do intrusive police work. How do we do it? We need the Civilian Complaint Review Board to tell back and allow the cops to do their job. We need the New York City Council to stop fighting with one another to compete of who can make the most legislation and chip away from the NYPD. We need a mayor that actually just doesn't say the right things but supports the police department by putting the right leaders in the right place, not because they're black or they're brown, but because they belong there and they're strong leaders. That's what we need. And that's a step in the right direction. Very well said. I agree with everything that you said there. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just going to take a break. We're going to have a word from our sponsors. Law enforcement professionals dedicate their lives to serving and protecting our community. But who's protecting their financial futures? That's where Laidlaw Blue comes in. Our wealth management platform is specifically designed for the law enforcement community. Laidlaw Blue is a division within Laidlaw Wealth Management run by retired New York City detective John McDermott. His status as a retired detective uniquely positions him to establish a deep connection between Laidlaw Blue and the law enforcement community. Our platform is easy to use and provides a range of financial services, including investment management, retirement planning, and insurance solutions. With Laidlaw Blue, you can secure your financial future and provide for your loved ones. Our team of experienced financial advisors understands the unique challenges and opportunities that law enforcement professionals face. We're here to help you navigate the complexities of financial planning, and achieve your goals. Laidlaw Blue, secure your financial future today. Book a meeting using the QR code displayed or call us directly on 888 
9-0-1-BLUE. That's triple eight nine zero one blue So, I mean, that's, that, that's my thing. That is the quickest way to bolster numbers right there, right? Redo the harm that you caused over 16,000 members of the NYPD, right? You probably cost about 5,000 to leave, but you harmed about 16,000. That's the quickest way to bolster your numbers while you fix your recruiting effort. And how are you going to fix your recruiting efforts? By restoring faith in the New York City Police Department and in New York City leadership, admitting that there was a problem, admitting that there was wrong. I think that's the quickest way to get numbers back that will alleviate the overwork, the people being overworked. It'll alleviate the overtime budget, right? It'll alleviate those two things. It'll alleviate morale because people will be able to take off and spend more time with their family. It's the quickest, easiest, cheapest solution. But for whatever reason, Eric Allen is unwilling to do it. And that is why I say he's incompetent because it's right in everyone's face and everyone knows it. And, and it still weighs on the mind of those people. Like I said, 16,000. So you probably have about 11,000 people in the police department currently that were forced to make a decision that did it to put food on the table for their family. And they're upset about it. And their morale is in the toilet bowl. And on top of that, they're working every day. They're stressed out. They're not seeing their family. They don't feel the love. How about give each one of those people 150,000? How about bring back 4,000 cops immediately, right? Right then and there, I mean, it's not going to cost a quarter of what we're giving people that never worked a day or never will work a day in the city. There should be, you know what? We should be reparations for the vaccine. If you had to be removed for the vaccine, I reparations. I love but it. I, I will say this. I, I want your thoughts on this. Because there's one thing where they talk about recruitment and a mass exodus that gets deflected to that I don't agree with. And it, I get perturbed by it. So when I hear people say that cops are leaving in droves or they're not taking the job because of the bail reform, I, I get perturbed by that statement. I don't think the bail. I think the bail reform is absolutely a ridiculous policy. I think it completely affects public safety, but I don't think it has any of any any contributing factor to the mass exodus or any contributing factor to recruitment. You and I know even when things were good on the job, when we got on the job, the senior guys, the veteran cops, told us when you make an arrest and you and you bring that arrest to the district attorney, what happens after that is not your concern anymore. You did your job. Now it's time for them to do their part. What do you think about that? I think that's a brilliant statement. I'm glad you brought that up. You you are you are definitely headed out of the park on that. I think people go to the bail reform as a default because they don't really they're not really well thought or well they have not really thought about the issue that strongly. It's just an easy play button. Oh, bail reform, bail reform, bail reform. It's like saying back to blue and all that other thing because 100% <laughs> Me and you were cops. We worked in a, in a, in a pro-police era, right, on Staten Island, which is a heavy, heavily Republican borough. It's, the mo it's all red. It's Trump country in New York City, right? It's all red. They love the police. And our district attorneys are considered friendlier even today, more police friendlier and more victim and more victim-centric than the rest of the boroughs. 
And I'll tell you right now, I got promoted because I got so sick of dealing with them because you look at all those district attorneys back then they had a 99.9% conviction rate. You know why? Because they never took anything to trial. I would hand them a slam dunk case and they would look for any way to dumb it down to plead them out. They would look for any way to throw the case out. And that was my entire career. Absolutely. And, that, and that's my point. And you, you, you just completely clarified it. When things were in, in a good era, was pro-police, much more support we had. And we had a, the morale was great. We had a great relationship with the veteran police officers, senior police officers. They really took you under, under your wing and taught you the job. And I, I, re I remember them specifically telling me, like, listen, kid, when you make a collar, when you make an arrest, forget about what goes on at court. It's not your problem. They might throw out the case. You might see the guy walking the next day. Don't take it personal. So I don't think bail reform has any factor. That's why I get completely perturbed when they deflect it to that. 100% it's deflection. When they deflect it to bail reform and make the correlation between that and the mass excess and recruitment, I don't see it. We know exactly. The mass excess started with the vaccine and it trickled down to these policies. Diaphragm law. Chokehold ban. In addition to that, uh, just a complete scrutiny, self-reporting with these uh, with the force reports, the TRIs, and mostly the Civilian Complaint Review Board because they're stripping away an act, a proactive cops that are doing intrusive police work, which helps public safety. What what do you think about that as far as as far as body cameras? What I want to talk about when it comes to recruit, do you think that body cameras makes any difference on recruitment? And mass X. What, the reason why I asked that is I heard some people say that they think that affects it. I I hate the body cameras. I, I honestly I, I don't like them because, but I don't think that affects recruitment either. I mean I don't think they understand it until they do police work. I don't think you would understand it. Like if I go bring myself back, that wouldn't have deterred me at all. It wouldn't have. I don't like body cameras because I know the intricacies of police work and I know how to. The I know how hard it is to get a case drawn up, and I knew the scrutiny being faced as a police officer that I faced on every job and every arrest I made, not just by district attorneys, but by my own as well, by the police department as well. And I knew that it would just lead to more questions, but I only knew that through experience. I would have never known that prior to taking the job. But when I, when I think about the, the reasons I don't like the body camera, it's because of the things that I know from my own experiences as a police officer. So I don't think it would have deterred me at all. And I just want to add, I hated dealing with the district attorneys. I hate it. I mean, 145 arrests. Most of them were pickups. I knew exactly what I had to do. Most of my arrests, I would, I would, I, I all really all of my arrests uh, prior to like, after me having three years on the job, I would always read Miranda warnings I would tell my, my perps the same thing. I'll write a letter to the judge. And 99.9% .9 of the times they would. That's a confession. Say you're sorry. Write a letter to the judge. Say you're sorry. Maybe he'll take leniency on you. And they would, they would have confessions. I would get video if there was video. My vouchering was perfect. Um, and I had the hardest time. With that being said, I love the job still. I didn't think for one second because of dealing with those ADAs or what happened with the perp never weighed one second on how I felt overall about the job. I was just like, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to be a supervisor. I've done this long enough. 
And that's why I studied to become a sergeant. But I still love the job. Overall, I would have still stayed a cop or went to the detective route if there was no uh, way for me to move up the ladder. I love the job. So I just wanted to confirm that even more that like that didn't ne that never thought about leaving the job. So if, if bail reform was in place and that was the only issue, it wouldn't have really been an issue for me. Well, you, you actually supported my statement because there might be more of a correlation to the body cameras when it comes to the mass excess. I could see guys on the fence saying, you know what? I got 20 years on the job. I can retire. Do I want to do another two years with these body cameras? I could see those guys saying, you know what? All right, it's time for me to go. I can't see guys leaving early just for body cameras. But, and like I said, because you, you've, you've worked your entire career in a certain manner, and now it, it's, it has to completely change. But when it comes to recruitment, I don't see it being a factor because you can't, when it comes to equipment, you can't miss something you never had. So you never, if you become a police officer and you never had to work without a body camera, you don't know any difference. So I think it's much easier to come on the job and work with body cameras than make the transition when you worked 16 years as a police officer without a body camera, and now your job completely changes. And then again, that's why it goes back to 2.5% raise for those body cameras is not worth it. It changed the job a complete 180. That's something that really should be negotiated much more than it was. And maybe we can go back to the drawing board, Pat Hendry. Maybe that's something else you could go back to and revisit. Because that's a terrible contract, a terrible negotiation for those body cameras that changed that job 180 degrees. Well, I think it should absolutely be revisited now that we found out that people could just go on your body camera when you don't have it on. I mean, absolutely, 1,000%. I don't, I don't believe that was agreed upon. If it was, again, that's shame on Pat Lynch because he knew something you didn't. Um, and that, I don't believe that feature just got added. I believe that was always the main goal is to be able to see you at any time and any moment and to track you in every place because that's what they're looking at. And I believe the scrutiny from the internal pressure of the NYPD is actually even greater than all of the legislation. I think it's well said. I think the scrutiny is even more of a factor in the exodus of cops leaving and the and the inability to recruit because cops are so miserable when you talk to them. They sound like they're going a mile a minute and they want to rip someone's head off and they can't take it anymore and they don't know what to do and they're just trying to last out. I think it's the scrutiny of the police department that's weighing them down even more than the insane, crazy legislation and the danger of them going to jail or losing their assets for doing their job the way they were trained to do and what New York City asked them to do. I believe that scrutiny on them is the major factor and that should be alleviated immediately, immediately to help restore morale as well. But that won't boost your numbers. And, and that's not going to have an immediate impact. You need a few years to get out of this. You need to get you need to boost your numbers immediately. You need to revisit morale. You need to less scrutiny on these cops, more people on the street. People need to be able to get days off and spend time with their family. Well said. That was beautiful. We need to go back to bring this job back to when it was a, in a positive light, getting supported. We need the NYPD to be iconic, symbolic of, of policing for the entire world. We need to get back to that, where everyone wants to take this job. We need hundreds and thousands of pool applicants. Why? John, you and I talk about this all the time. Even if there are, let's say, for instance, if we get 1,000 cops, 
I'm sorry, 1,000 recruits doing academy class. How many of them halfway through drop out? How many get disqualified and vetted because something comes up in their background? And once those those uh, once those rookies or recruits they graduate and they become police officers immediately within three to five months, we would see cop we would see these brand new cops tail off and and and, and start leaving the job when they're new on the job because they realize this is not for them. The reality of the of 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 the dangers of the job kick in or just some factors of of a constant change of schedule for some people that's enough for them to leave the job so i would say in the academy we we'll probably lose 10 to 15 percent you probably lose another 10 to 15 percent so we need a large pool of advocates especially when there's going this pool of applicants people have to get vetted properly but wh who do we know is not getting this job white alpha males and white alpha females it's unfortunate we have a huge problem we have a recruitment problem and we have a diversity problem because it's not diverse anymore. It's 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 black and brown, and very few white. I mean, I see all the pictures. It's a shame. Yeah, no, it's uh, I mean that there's so many factors going on at once. If it was up to you, though, I mean, if it was up to you right now, what do you believe the number one thing would be to? to like to boost our numbers like what do you think it would be what do you think you would do immediately like the first thing we spoke about a lot of things right we said oh maybe you get you give compensation to the people you force to take the shot maybe you bring back whatever you bring back and you, and you compensate the people that you forced out right we said alleviate policy what do you think like just just off the top of your head what do you think the number one thing you would do to 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 try to win back morale Right now, immediately, I have that 58 removed. Immediately. Absolutely. I think that's the number one thing. Hats removed immediately because if you're on the job, it's staining you, it's smearing your record, it's smearing your life. And when you're off the job, it's smearing your life as well. I would say the number one thing I would focus on immediately is that 58. I, listen, I, I agree with you. Listen, I think the disciplinary matrix is awful. I think the 50A is even worse than that, right? Because... The 50A stays with you forever. That disciplinary matrix will hurt you while you're on the job, but it doesn't stay with you after, right? They will be weaponized to fire you if need be. I think that needs to be revamped. But again, the 50A is law. So it's going to be that you, you got a while to work that out, right? Like you could advocate to get that out immediately. And I think that'll help too with morale, 100%. I think you're advo you advocating because, I mean, look what, look at, even just a little thing, and and we, I don't think you didn't agree with it, and I didn't agree with it with, with uh, Chief Shell, when he said people aren't running on us anymore. I mean, that little statement boosted morale a little bit, right? People are like, oh wow, look, we got a, a guy, a guy that actually supporting what we do, right? He wants us to be the NYPD. He he doesn't want us to be disrespected out there in the street. So I think that statement boosted morale, and I think that by you pushing back at that legislation like no this is ridiculous you're ruining cops lives you're ruining it you, they're after lives you're ruining their retirement put i think it, i think it will boost the morale but i don't think it'll have an immediate immediate effect i think it will boost it temp like like slightly but i don't think it'll be immediate effect because it's gonna be you need to get unfortunately you need to get city council on your side for it. well i'll say this i i i would say i don't think there's any one thing 
that you could actually change right now that would boost morale on its own. I think it has to be a conglomerate of changes. There's just so much to peel back on this onion. I, I don't think it would be one thing. I, I mean, you asked what would be my first thing, and my first thing would be that 50A. I do agree. I think that Chief Shell, like I said, I don't think – I think he's showing some some strong leadership, uh, some rah-rah. But along with that, I think he, what I said – what I, I like to see is he's not showing weak leadership, but it is some poor leadership because – it's his responsibility to have aggressive control, not out of control. And he's getting the guys to a point where they're going to be out of control. At the same token, it is nice to hear him back up the cops and back up the public and all and say, hey, listen, we're tired of this bullshit. We need more guys to say that. But while he's doing that, he has to say, listen, I want my guys. What he has to say is I want my guys to go out there and be able to chase these cars. I want them to go out there and do this. But until until you, you, you fix this legis legislation, and peel this back. We can't do it. So do it. So we can do it. That's what I want to hear him say. But yeah. it is. It is some. It is some light. It's nice to see. I mean, it definitely like you know. I like hearing it too. But I just know the ramifications of that statement, right? And and that's yes. You know, and and that's the, the whole thing. Like you know, um, but it, but it is good to see a guy who is a cop in leadership. It is. You know, it's definitely good to see that. Um. Well, I just hope, John. I just hope you're right. I hope you know what. If one day they say, you know what, this is the guy that's going to be the PC. I hope he doesn't lose his balls. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I I don't know. Like I, again, I I have a disdain for anyone who worked for Eric Adams or in and 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 appointed leadership for Eric Adams or Bill De Blasio. I do. I question the ability to stay there very long. Maybe you gave it a shot for a year or six months or something, but I question. Or 18 months, Keychain Soul. Good job to her, let me tell you. Yeah, but, you know, but, you know, she didn't really boost morale. Listen, I, I you know, Keychain Soul as a person, the way she went out, I mean, I love the way she went out, but, I, you know. Me too. But, like, I again, like I said, I, as, as a person, I, I like her. I don't think that she was really effective as a police commissioner. Uh, you know, the rumor is now that, you know, tomorrow morning, uh, Ed Caban will be the, the will go from not go, will be removed from the acting police commissioner and will now be the 46th police commissioner. And I don't think he's going to do shit either. Well, the first thing I want him to do is reinstate Sal Greco. That's what he should do. That should be the first order of business. You know what? Reinstate Sal Greco, and maybe they'll forgive you because you constantly engage in in, in friendships and you, uh, associations with those that are likely to engage in criminal activity. Because that's what Sal Greco was investigated for. So he should be held to the same standard. Absolutely, they need. They absolutely need to settle the Sal Greco case. Absolutely need to settle the Sal Greco case. They absolutely need to compensate, reinstate. Everybody who was denied religious or medical exemptions, everybody, and and that goes for the people that eventually took had to t to take something that they didn't want. They should be compensated as well. Um, I agree. Let's compensate all those that were forced to take the vaccine, or they left because they felt pressure for the vaccine. Let's reinstate and compensate Sal Greco. And you know what? Who who we should be recruiting? Not only should we recruit these diverse neighborhoods, we should recruit. We should go back to these police departments in Florida and these other police departments in the country and those that vested out because they went to a police department, 
That's where, that's where they should be recruiting. Say, listen, we want you back. We're going to fix this police department. We're going to fight City Hall. We're going to fight New York City Council. And we're going to make this job proud again. And we're proud of you. Those are the guys they should get. The guys, the guys that, or, that already experienced, that left the job. Because you know what? They might be on the fence. Maybe those guys will come back. Yeah. And, you know, me and Eric are outspoken. We talk a lot. But if you really want to know what you need to do and you want to put it together... I'm just going to give you a very simple solution. 2022 and 2023, everybody that vested, resigned, or retired, put three or four guys on a telephone, have them call, and ask a set question. Why did you leave? What would we have to do to get you back? What do you think the NYPD could do to recruit better? And I think you're going to hear what me and Eric just outlined, all the different various reasons I think that's exactly what you're going to hear. This is not a hard thing to accomplish. You have plenty of people sitting around scratching their ass that that should be out on patrol when they're not. Um, do that. Move the, the people who are non-workers. Put them on a phone and get them on. Get them on the phone, dialing out. They used to do that, Eric. By the way, and they no longer do that, unless they just didn't do it to me. But I, I don't know. <laughs> but and I, did you have you got a call since you're retired asking how you why you're retired? Are you aware of any corruption or anything like that? No, you know what? I'm glad that you said that. That's one thing that should be implemented. I've said that many times in, in, in a different manner. There should be some type of transition, some type of transition counseling, right? You have your retirement counseling, but there should be transition counseling to show that the police department actually cares about your transition from being a police officer, from being in a, in a paramilitary organization to going back to civilian life. And I think that would prevent that would prevent suicides, that would prevent uh, depression in retirement, and show that you actually care. And not only that, if you're showing that you care for retirees, they're going to help you by word of mouth in your recruitment. So it's all tied into, into each other. So we have to stop this ideology of not caring about the people who came before us, not caring about the people who came afterwards, or not caring about the people who came before uh, while we're doing it. We have to start showing compassion. If you're a retiree, you'll pass the word on. If you're a rookie, you'll talk about you'll, you should help the retirees. We should all help each other. It's just a shame that it's come to this point. So there should definitely be some transition counseling. I never received one call. Not one person ever called me and said, you know what, Eric Tim, Thank you for the hard work you did in the police department. I know you've been speared in the papers as the most complained cop. Is there anything we can do for you? Zero. Nothing. Me neither. No one ever called me. No one. Just just people I know. I've never received a call from the LNPD about anything or anything. I have received several responses to my complaints that were filled with fabricated lies and a ton of and 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 and, and completely ignoring the allegations I made. Um, half investigation, so I have received that back, but I only received that through other agencies. I actually never received anything directly from the NYPD, which is which disturbs me. It really does. It's disturbing, um, and the fact that you're not reaching out to people that resigned or retired during this period and leads me to believe that you actually don't want to fix the problem and you want the exodus to continue because you're not having any viable solutions. So that's how I look at it. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out. If you saw our new opening, we're going to have an outro too at Just Right PD. Paul Manicone, he's part of the finest unfiltered PD. Uh, you know, he's he's a great guy. He does he does our video for us. He's been on 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 with us before. Um, he'll be back on with us again. 
And another shout out. We're going to start uh, with our thumbnails. If you've seen it on our last episode, and you'll see it on this episode as well, to at Alamo Defender One on Twitter. Um, he's helping us with our thumbnails. He makes great memes. Uh, a lot of people get annoyed by them. But hey, listen, truth's a terrible thing. Yeah, we're getting some support out there. The, t- the New York Spines Retired Unfiltered podcast team is growing. We have some people behind the scenes that are helping us out as well. I want to thank them. They remain anonymous at this point. I want to thank them for the help that they uh, they do behind closed doors uh, and help with this podcast growing. Absolutely. At Just Right PD, he's put a lot of work into it. I can't thank him enough. Outstanding on the intro and the outro. I liked it very much. I hope you guys like it. If you have any suggestions, we'll, o- we'll always open to it. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you for all the support. Yeah, and if you're home, you're retired, or you're on, and you think that any way we could seek to improve this podcast, our content, or anything you could do to help us, we're always looking to grow, looking for suggestions, criticisms. I mean, I love, I think I love the criticism the most, more than anything. I, I, I find things to criticize myself for, Eric, about. Um, so, you know, I like, I, I, you know, I, I, but I appreciate all you guys taking the time to tune in and listen, and we appreciate all the support we've been getting. Eric, you want to end us off, brother? Yeah, absolutely. With that, I, I want to thank also on YouTube the comments that we get. We, we appreciate the comments very much. Uh, we do intend, if you do leave a comment on YouTube, for the most part, 99 times out of 100, John or myself will respond and throw a comment back. So please, throw your comments. We appreciate them. Most of them are pretty positive. There's one that's negative. That's fine, too. We're big boys. Unlike Eric Adams, we can handle criticism. We have no problem with it. Everyone out there, Thank you so much for watching. New York's Finance Return on Filter Podcast. This is 265 Police Live. We're here for you. Thank you.